welcome to Mimeo's Talk of the Trade. I'm Mike McNary. In addition to leading the sales organization here at Mimeo, I'm also interested in unlocking the secrets of sales and marketing. In each episode, I talk with creative leaders to find out how they approach problems like motivating sales teams, structuring the revenue cycle, and fitting product to market. At the end of the conversation, you and I have new takeaways to apply to our everyday life. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Mike McNary here. Welcome to Mimeo's Talk of the Trade. Today's episode is Finding Success in Failure, How Sam Jacobs Turned His Experiences into a Goldmine for Sales Professionals. Our guest, Sam Jacobs. Sam is the founder and CEO of Pavilion. He is also the host of one of my favorites, the Sales Hacker Podcast. Sam, it's great to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, we, uh, we're going to talk uh, quite a bit about Pavilion uh, in a moment, but I wanted to start out by asking you about the Sales Hacker Podcast. Uh, you know, I'm a big listener. I think you have great guests and, and great takes. How did you get involved with that project initially? I got involved. Uh, I know, I've known Max Altschuler for a long time, and um, he reached out to me in 2017. To, and there's a bunch of reasons why for whatever reason, the fall of 2017 was sort of a turning point in my life. But he reached out to me then and he said, hey, we're going to do a podcast with Sales Hacker. Uh, I thought I was said I said to the team, I would never do it unless I could find the right host. I think you should be the host. Do you want to do it? And I took no time at all. It took about a nanosecond. I said, of course, I want to do it. Mm, yeah. uh, sign me up, coach. Put me in. So, um, so we we kicked around the format for a little while, and this again was all in 2017, and then we formally launched in, uh, I think, March of 2018. And I've been doing it for three and a half years, almost four years. Yeah, you have quite a few episodes and covered quite a few topics on it. What, what's your, you know, you know, a few years later now, what's your favorite part about doing the podcast uh, these days? Well, I, I mean, we, if you want the truth, here's the truth. The truth is that, uh, you know, there's this old phrase, no conflict, no interest. So my favorite thing about it is that it helps me reach lots and lots of people. Yeah. I obviously love talking to interesting people and interviewing them. But I also, I really like the, uh, uh, the idea that I can spread the word about Pavilion to an audience that is directly related to the people that we're trying to enroll into our membership and do it in a way that's not uh, hitting people over the head because what we've negotiated at this point is that Pavilion gets sort of a permanent sponsorship. And in exchange for that, they can keep all the ad revenue that comes from other sponsors and they don't need to pay me anything. But of course, it benefits you know the company that I run during the day. So um, that's the, that's my... And, that, and again, just sort of like tying it back to the very beginning, because I know one of the yep. questions is like, hey, I do this thing called Pavilion. It was called Revenue Collected back then. How did it grow so quickly? And there's there's a bunch of answers. But one of the answers is is the Sales Hacker podcast, actually, because yeah, I started doing sense. the podcast and um, they had, you know, they, there's 100,000 people on the Sales Hacker mailing list, maybe 200,000. And that was how Tom Glasson in London and Andre Brussel in Amsterdam and all of these people heard about what we were doing and said, hey, I want to start a chapter in my city for what was then called Revenue Collective. And uh, they heard about it through the podcast. Yeah. And you, you do have a, a big, uh, you know, audience. And I can imagine that, you know, uh, intermingling the two is going to have uh, benefits on both sides. But yeah, I'm a big fan. And, and you know, the pavilion, I think, is uh, uh, when, when featured, I think it's done well. And I can see it driving a lot of engagement because um, I think you're onto something with pavilion. Let's dig into pavilion uh, a little bit, right? Uh, you know, for our audience that might not be familiar with your organization, uh, why don't we start out with some background on, on the organization and its mission overall, Sam? 
Sure. The organization Pavilion is a paid membership community focused on uh, what we call professional development and career enablement, which is a way of saying that people pay to be members and in exchange for paying to be a member, we build things uh, to help you navigate your career more effectively, to help you be better at your job, and to help you achieve the results that you're trying to achieve. We started off focused on sales and marketing and customer success, revenue functions. And that's why the original name was called Revenue Collective. And my background is as a sales leader. So the you know 90% or uh, of the people in the community come from a revenue function. They come from RevOps, they come from sales, marketing, right. CS. Um, but that's what it is. And you know the foundation of it is community, uh, people coming together, but it's not it's not networking for its own sake. We use the community to build products and services that have a practical impact on your ability to be good at sales, to be a good executive, to find the next job, to make sure that you're uh, negotiating for that job in the right way, but really so that you can be as impactful as you possibly could be in your role. That's um, that's what we're trying to do. The specific stated mission is to help all of our members unlock and achieve their professional potential, which is a sort of a highfalutin way of saying that we and I believe that um, there's greatness inside a lot of us. And uh, a lot of us are just struggling to figure out how to bring it out into the world. And we're struggling with the, the playbook and we're struggling with the steps. What steps should we take? How do we get there? How do we become a CRO? And so we try to demystify that. We try to provide you the concrete tools that you need so that you can become whatever you want to be. If you want to be a CRO, you can become that. If you want to be a CEO, which is what I am now, you can become that. Yeah. I think that's really compelling and I love the mission because uh, I think you're right. You know, folks want to get somewhere in their career, you know, whether it's be sales or another revenue function. And it's not so clear as to what the right steps are or how they should navigate uh, one aspect of their career or their path versus another. And having that community, I think, is really valuable, especially people who have done it or had some um, similar uh, instances, you know, going up the ladder themselves. So. Um, there's a lot of value there. Now, you know, you, you described w what it is today, and I, and I candidly, um, you know, know so many people who have had fantastic experiences with Pavilion. Didn't really start out as this fully realized thing, though, right? In the beginning, yeah. What, what what was your goal initially, right? You know, because this was a it was almost a networking, uh, like a it started as a meetup group in some respects, right? And, and that's just, exactly what it was. Okay. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. I had no. Just a, yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, Elon Musk or something like that. I don't have some vision about going to Mars and this is just right. one part of it. Um, it started off because I was getting, I, I was, I was in a lot of turbulence uh, in my career and okay. this, in the point being like, I was seven and a half years at one company. I kind of like became some sort of senior and well-paid in my late twenties, early thirties. And then through my thirties, you know, you kind of become accustomed to thinking of yourself in a certain way. So I became accustomed to thinking of myself as an executive at a startup, but um, right. I was getting bounced around a lot. You know, I was at a place called Axial for four and a half years and I got fired from there. And then I was at a place called Livestream for 18 months, didn't get fired, but the company I thought was going to run out of money. So I jumped ship and yep. went to uh, the Muse and was hired to be their chief revenue officer. And I was fired there after nine months. And then, and so all of this was happening and, and it's not just... You know, I, I talk about being fired and it's it maybe some people smile, but it obviously sucks. And yeah. and beyond being beyond sucking, you know, the world that I'm in, which is startup land, it's like every time you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a venture capitalist, right? I, I can't make 200 bets and have one of them pay off and have that return the fund, you know. Yep. I am I make one bet at a time when I'm working somewhere. 
And so when those bets don't work out and you are getting older and you are feeling time pass you by, uh, you start freaking out a little bit. And, um, and so I started revenue collective really as just like a dinner club for me and my friends so that we could at least commiserate and, but also share best practices, make sure that we understood the best way to do our jobs and to help each other and support each other. And also to have visibility on the next job, because if we were all getting canned all the time, then, then we would need to know what our options right. were at any given time. Of course. So that's what it was. Um, but I, I guess the thing I would say, you know, which is sort of the point is like, I, I never, I'm not a big fan of the word networking, so to speak, you know, because gotcha. I'm not, it's not for no reason, right? Like I've, I've always been of the mind that like, there's a reason we're getting together. And that reason is to help people specifically achieve their goals. And so like, I want to network quote unquote, but I want to, I want to meet people so that I can help them achieve something, whether it's make an introduction so they can find a job or, uh, you know, make an introduction so they can hire a candidate or make an introduction so they can learn more about some go-to-market strategy that they don't have any experience with. So it started off to your point, Mike, a free dinner club. And then, like I said, fall 2017, a lot changed. And one of the things that changed was when I was fired from the muse, I said, uh, pardon my French, but I said, fuck this. And I I need a source of revenue that extends beyond my employer because I, I just cannot keep putting all my eggs in one basket anymore. And so I started, I called uh, Kevin O'Malley uh, at sales loft. He was the VP of marketing at sales loft at the time. And uh, I said, will you give me some money to sponsor this club, this dinner club that I'm, that I'm running? And he said, absolutely. We would love to. And then I said, okay, I'm also going to charge dues. And there's about, you know, 30 or 40 people in there. And I said, it's only going to be 50 bucks a month. And there was a couple of people that are like, you know, screw you. I'm not paying to be your <laughs> friend, Right. but most people paid. And so beginning January 1st, 2018, we had recurring revenue from dues and we had some sponsorship revenue and, um, you know, and then. I just kept pulling the thread, so to speak. Like I kept just doing the the thing that seemed like the right next thing, and the yep. and then the 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 next big jump or milestone was got fired again <laughs> at the end of 2018, and that's when um, you know my wife and my mom and a bunch of people were like, dude, you gotta <laughs> this thing working for other people is not working out. So yeah. like, let's give it a shot where you work for yourself. And so I started working on it full time three years ago. I love I love the candor as you explain that, Sam. It's great. No, I just think it's fantastic, and it's you know one after another. And I think you know you've landed somewhere that it sounds like it makes more sense for you. But I also get this sense, you know, I you know know you a little bit, and you're a pretty uh, altruistic cat. You know, you you put a lot of people uh, in touch for just for the sake of, you know. I think uh, what that does for the world in, in a positive light and, and you want to help other professionals, especially, you know, in, in, in the revenue functions. Do you think that, that, you know, this has given you the ability to kind of maybe protect some other people from having experiences like you have? Do you think that that's been some gratifying part about this, whether it's been conscious or subconscious? It's conscious. Okay. Yeah, no, the, I it. mean, exactly. I'm, I consider, you know, I don't know if I'm the luckiest man in the world, but I feel incredibly 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 blessed every single day and uh i never thought it would become what it is we've got seven thousand members all over the world um you know we're at about an 11 million dollar run rate and we're going to get to 20 next year so i feel so damn lucky because it's not just that like the business is working 
because it's it's not, I'm not selling uh, you know printer cartridges. You know, I'm not selling yep. um, IT support. I'm selling yep. help. Like literally, the business, the point of the company is to help other people. That is the it's reason real. why we exist. So people pay money to get help, and we try to deliver that help. And if we don't deliver that help, then they stop paying us. And if we do, then they do. And so my point is like, yeah, I like it's um, it's been incredible. It's like it, we get feedback all the time about how we've helped people. We've changed their lives. We've changed their career. They got promoted. They found the job that they wanted to get. Um, even just this week, you know, a friend of mine, uh, a woman uh, named Stephanie Cox, and she's a, she was when I got to know her. Right. She was the VP of marketing at Lumivate and uh, in Indianapolis. That's when I got to know her a couple of years ago. And Kyle Lacey started our Indianapolis chapter. And I got to know Steph because she's just a great marketer and she was active in the community. And then she got promoted to president. And this year we started a CEO pavilion. And, um, you know, I said, Steph, your title's not CEO, but, you know, we want we want diversity in the CEO group. So come join us. And of course, she's amazing. And then this week she got promoted to CEO. And, uh, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. I love it. I'm not saying, listen, she did it on her own. I'm not saying we did it. I'm just saying she she, she she thanked us publicly as as one possible input into her success among many, many, and first and foremost of which is her own talents and, and capabilities. But that's just, that's awesome. You know, that's just yeah. awesome uh, to see somebody achieve what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and imagine as the numbers have kind of grown, right? As you said, you started out as one thing and, and, and it's gotten uh, quite bigger. And you talked about the numbers and, and that it's global at this point. You know, so despite this, besides the scale and, you know, the actual kind of you know, feedback, has there been anything that's been like really surprising about the evolution, right? Maybe where you, you thought you had a sense of where it was going and then it took maybe a sharp turn in a different direction, or there was maybe something that you really loved about it that you didn't think was going to be one of your favorite aspects of running the organization. The, the biggest surprise is that it still works roughly. Um, gotcha. And that's, and that's because, like I said, f- fundamentally, you know, frankly, fundamentally, um, Rev, you know, pavilion is an idea. You know, like that's, it's an idea about helping other people. And what I mean by that is I don't, I don't talk to all of these 7,000 people. Like I'm not, I'm not helping each and every one of these people individually, but we are teaching them to help each other. And so they are giving us feedback that like everybody in the community is so welcoming and they've already had a bunch of amazing conversations. And that's, that's because we just hammer the culture and we hammer the code of conduct over and over and over again. And so it gets you know, it's, that's the virality. That's the technology. We don't have a platform, right? Yeah. We built a company worth, you know, a hundred million dollars, according to investors, you know, who knows if it would be worth that two years ago, but today it is, yeah, <laughs> but right. um, we built that without our own platform. We have our platform in beta, but it's just a stitch together compendium of like a bunch of other third-party services like Slack and zoom and all that. But the point is like, it doesn't matter because the, the fundamental technology is this idea that people believe what we're saying about our values and they transmit that to the next person and the next person. And so it's this long succession of, um, of people watching us live by our values and then sharing that with the next person. There's this guy, Yair Arelli, and he works, I think, at a company called Data Rails now, and he used to work at SciSense. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a curmudgeon. And so, you know, for a little while, he's kind of on the fence about uh, about Pavilion. And then um, he was looking for a new a new job. And I introduced him to my friend, Yoav, who uh, was I uh, used to work at a company called Optimove and now works at Contract Book. And um, 
and I had made an introduction to Yoav that ultimately ended up getting him uh, his new job. And so wow. Yoav made a bunch of the same introductions to Yair. And the point that I'm making is that Yair was just totally blown away. He's like, why are you doing this? And Yoav's like, well, because you're a member of Pavilion. <laughs> of course I'm doing it. You know, that's what we right. do. And so now Yair is one of our biggest advocates, right? Because it, it a lot of what we're building and, and distributing and transmitting into the universe is like, hey, there's no there's no catch, you know, like there's no, yeah. um, we're not full of shit. This is not a gimmick. This is not a scam. Like this is real. There's a world where you are celebrated for helping other people and other people will help you in return and you can do business that way. And that is a way of doing business. That is not a sacrifice. Right. And that's the, that's the fundamental mission. Yep. And that's why, because the biggest complaint, right? Like what, as you, as I'm sure you would, you can assume the biggest piece of negative feedback or criticism or disappointment or whatever is like this thing got too big too quickly. It's not as exclusive or intimate. I thought I was joining the Elks Club or you know the Shriners right. or something like that. Right. And instead, now everybody, new people. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And they um and and you know a big part of our messaging for next year is like listen. Flip your brain. That's not the point. The point is that when there's a million people in Pavilion, those are a million people that you can do business with more easily, with more confidence and more trust than are not, because all of those people have agreed to our code of conduct. Does that mean that they're not takers and people that are insincere and assholes, you know, in that yep. are making their way into the system? Of course, it's not a perfect system, but relative to LinkedIn, relative to like the rest of the world, these are people that are more likely to, right? There's so much peer pressure within Pavilion to do a good thing, to be a good person, to help another person That's that compelling. even the jerks are feel <laughs> this pressure. You know, they're like, shit, I got to do this, you know, or they're going to kick me out otherwise. Yeah. So I like it. Maybe, uh, you know, and, and I think that, you know, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me in that, you know, these days, you know, everything is experiential, right? Everybody wants to have a great experience in whatever they're doing. And, you know, we also talk specifically, um, but not isolated to the corporate environment about culture, right? And I think that is experiential in some way in, in the business version of it. And people, I'd imagine, the network that big probably don't have all great experiences with where they're coming from culturally and where you know they've worked or, or who they've been able to collaborate with. And they get to walk into this network of competent people that are bought in to be, you know, altruistic, uh, you know, willing to, uh, you know, espouse the values of the organization and take care of one another. I, you know, I don't know. That that to me would probably seem like a haven to a lot of people and, and make it very compelling. Yeah, I think Haven is exactly the right word. I guess I'd ask you this. You talked about what it was to start and what it is now. What point did you really know you had something, right? Something that you could turn into your own, we'll call it your, your enterprise, right? Like you said, this is a $100 million valued uh, operation now. And you know, when was it where you said, you know what, there's something here and I might be able to, to really make this what my mother and my, my sister and, and folks in my life and telling me I should do and make something of my own. There hasn't just been one moment because um, the whole time, Fair. to be honest, like I felt like there was something. I just didn't know quite what it was. The The inflection points, the first was COVID. So that was, we, we grew through 2019 and we, you know, we were beating all of our goals, but still, still it was, yeah, you know, it's great. This will be a great lifestyle business for me. You know, like the my initial, the first it was side income in 2018. And then in 2019, it was 
the way tax laws work in the US, right? You I'll flow every expense through the business and this will be a great. And you know, Poor if man. I pay myself 300 grand a year through this thing, that's the equivalent of like 6 or 700 grand, you know, for working on a w, as a W2 employee. So 2019 was like, okay, this can be like this is great. You know, I can pay my rent. I'm happy. I get to do my own thing and call my own shots and I get to pay my own rent and I don't have to ask permission and isn't this wonderful? And I was very very happy. And then in 2020, uh, you know, we were, we we're layering up a little bit, you know, starting to hire one or two people here and there and COVID came and we pivoted very aggressively into digital and had, you know, went from having one webinar a month to 40 a week and really empowering our members yeah, to become, you know, uh, experts and to showcase them. And we started doing benchmarking surveys and it became which was a good thing to be honest with you, not a dinner club, right? There was nobody to go to dinner with. And so it became right. A much more even playing field globally. You know, if you were a member in Minneapolis, you now had the same access that a member in New York had. And so that was uh, an inflection point. And then, and that, that inflection point, you know, culminated like in the first time I looked at the business checking account and there was over a million dollars there. And I don't think I'd ever seen a million dollars in one place, like in cash, you know, yeah. not that, not that I was going to do anything with it, but just like, I've never seen that before. And there it is. And, um, and then, and then of course, you know, then the next inflection point when it all came together, it wasn't like one thing necessarily, but in February, uh, you know, Peter Fallon from Elephant Ventures reached out and wanted to talk about the company. And, you know, two weeks later, they had a term sheet to invest 25 million on an $80 million pre-money valuation. And that, you know, that also coincided with the rebrand coincided with everything we were trying to do this year. And, um, and that was like, and now you know, now I'm, now I'm bought in, you know, now I'm in the sense yeah. that like, now I'm like this, I don't know how big it can be. I still don't, but I know that what we're doing is needed. And, yeah. uh, and I know that uh, a lot of companies don't have the resources to train people functionally, right? They, you can, they can train, Mimeo can train people on, on printing and on the product that Mimeo sells, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be able to provide this comprehensive sales training university, or if it does, it's just one perspective. And, um, and meanwhile, there are not enough people out there. So everybody needs to come in from different industries and different functions. And you're going to have to hire ex waiters and all kinds of different people from different backgrounds. And they're going to need training and professional development. And meanwhile, you know, Zoomers and millennials and all of us are changing jobs more often than ever. And there's no one place where you can say, here's where I'm going to plot and map my career. Right. You could say you maybe do it on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn doesn't care about you. LinkedIn cares about selling you to sales navigator licenses and recruiter licenses and things like that. So it just seems like, you know, I don't know how big it can be, but I think it can be way bigger than it is. Yeah. And, and those are some pretty, you know, rock and roll moments that you described, right? The the million dollars in the account, you know, getting the rebrand and, and scale and getting that investment. And I, also, you know, being a resource during a time where people were starving for something that would help them get through a, an upside down and unprecedented kind of work and personal scenario, right? So, um, there was uh, companies that kind of went the other way with it, right? Because they weren't maybe uh, equipped to, to deal with the new circumstances. And then I think the things that were really adding value uh, saw a ton of engagement in, in that you know, first 12 months of the pandemic. So um, it's not necessarily a unique story, but I think it's unique to companies that are really adding value because people didn't have much time for anything else. Right? Yeah. And we, we, um, 
like many things, right? We were not the first. I am not the first. This is not the first sales networking club. Yeah. This is not the first. Like there was MSP. We're not the first Google group, right? It, and uh, there was a dinner club, you know, a, a dinner platform here in New York called Vore. And Vore, David Oak and his company, Vore, used to plan a lot of dinners and sales. And, you know, there's no, it's not like we had some, you know, this, uh, obviously I don't come from like a trust fund background. No, no, but like this was an open field. This was an open opportunity for a lot of different people. And we just had a, I guess, a unique perspective on it because you're right, Mike, you know, Vore among other businesses, like many businesses went to zero, even yep. though, you know, they had the same, probably more resources and a better, a better opportunity uh, than yeah. we had in some ways. So, yeah, and, and that's really interesting. And I've been thinking about it, you know, throughout this conversation and even in, in preparing for this discussion, Sam, the, the idea of, you know, there's not, it, it has become quite unique and innovative. Uh, I, I believe that and, and things that you're saying, I think, make it very singular, right? But, you know, a lot of those things took a while to develop, right? So, you know, why, why did did this succeed in ways that other comparable or similar initiatives didn't? So the first thing is anybody that tells you if they know precisely why they were successful is full of shit. So that's the yeah, number one. I right? agree like with that. Sometimes okay. you just don't know. Sometimes the universe conspires, you know, and, and I feel product market fit for me. I mean, I sometimes, uh, you know, I don't know what I sound like. I sound new agey, I guess, but I do believe this stuff, but like product market fit is about alignment with the universe. You know, it is about like the world is going somewhere. And it's not about you changing necessarily where the world goes. It's about you listening to the world and understanding it and being quiet and still so that you can be caught by the breeze in a way. Anyway, that's poetry. But the point is, um, I. so first of all, we had some marketing. Here's the marketing insight that we have that other people have since copied. We told people to put the fact that they were members on their LinkedIn, right? So, so that was, I don't know if it was brilliant, but it worked, right? Because right. people started seeing it. They started seeing recruiters started seeing it. What the hell is this thing? Who is this? Yep. And then it became a badge of honor. And then you felt like you weren't part of the club if you didn't have it on your LinkedIn. I agree. So that was thing that was like one specific tactic. The second part of it again was that um, people really felt the values, but we've talked about that. The third yep. thing I will say is that um, I think too many people are um, there's a community playbook and I don't follow that community playbook. What is the community playbook? The community playbook is that the community is free and that you monetize all of the corners of the community. You start a job board, you sell the shit out of it to sponsors. You maybe, I don't know, create some kind of annoying fund or something like that. Um, maybe you have a bunch of like referral agreements in place and like you've got all kinds of kickbacks. And every time you make an introduction to some new CRM, you get 10%. That is um, for me, you know, uh, common hour thinking. That's what my coach would call it, right? Which okay. is, um, it's just so short-sighted, right? It's short-sighted because you're just, everybody knows the game and they know that the bigger you get, the more that, you know, it'll just be, you know, bombarded with sponsors. And so this, again, it's so simple. It's just so simple. Just pay, just charge them, just charge them. And then stay away from every other business. Don't start a recruiter, Right. There are, we have so many partners in uh, Pavilion and so many people are saying, Hey, you know, if you introduce me to so-and-so, you, I'll pay you 10%. And the worst thing in the world I could have done was take that money. Cause yeah. once you start taking that money, you start wanting more of it, right? It becomes, 
every revenue source becomes like a center of gravity, like a snowball rolling downhill. And pretty soon you're like, oh, I need that money. I want that money. I paid my rent with that money. And so if you can just stay pure and say, and people are so surprised. They're like, well, if I you know, get consulting clients, do you need a cut? I'm like, no, we don't need a cut. We have the cut. The cut is all in CAC to LTV. That's the cut. The cut is I need people to stick around and pay us for as long as possible. If they stop paying us, we will not be doing a good job. And if they do pay us, we will be doing a great job. And every place that I could have charged money, would I, I would have created new competitors, right? If I wanted to start an executive search firm, I'm now competing with Diversa and with True and with Kindred and with every other executive search firm. This way, I don't have to compete with them. This way, I have I can partner with them. This way, I can be on great relationships with Gary Constance from Diversa and Matt Oaken from Kindred and Pat and David Ives and everybody else uh, from and Brad Stadler from uh, from True, right? Because I am not competing with them. That's the beauty. And so I think that that's, it's an insight that takes a long time to understand, right? Because there's no short-term fix. It's like, I'm just going to do this. It's going to take a while, but my bet is that it can be bigger this way by having everybody pay and it'll, we'll go one by one by one by one. But then once we build it, once you're at 7,000 people, everybody's not going to cancel all at once. You got a really strong, robust business. It's the beauty of recurring yeah. revenue. Yeah. You know, you uh, were able to maintain that purity, right? Because it did grow pretty quickly, right? And you had this success in a time frame that um, is, you know, unprecedented in some respects. But it was definitely fast enough that you you didn't have to seek a lot of uh, alternate revenue uh, streams, right? You could keep it uh, uh, pretty intact, and you didn't have to kind of, I don't know, blur the lines of where your, you know, uh, mission to stay clean and and, uh, devoid of other things that are driving your you know, day-to-day mission. I think that's really cool. But I think it also, you know, the universe conspired to make it uh, doable. Um, Let's talk about, you know, where you said a couple times during uh, this conversation that, you know, you don't know how big it can get. What are your goals regardless? Like, what do you want to do next? In the short term, there's three things I'm super excited about over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. The first is learning. We just hired a VP of learning uh, from 2U, and she's going to be developing not just Pavilion University, the traditional concepts of like a school or a course, but also thinking freshly about online ways that you can absorb and apply information that are specific to being online that aren't just a model for a class. Like maybe it's a quiz that you take every day that assesses where you are in your CRO development. But anyway, learning is going to be a huge emphasis for us. The second big emphasis is going to be premium communities. So while, um, you know, while there are, I, while there's a good reason why I think Pavilion should be big, because as I mentioned, it helps people do business better. um, There are people that want elevated experiences. They want workshops. They want personal transformation. They want to ensure they're willing to spend a little bit of more money to to transform how they how they really think about their career in a more handheld concierge style way. So okay. we're going to be introducing those and we're already doing that with CEO Pavilion, as I mentioned with Stephanie Cox. And then the third thing is, um, which I'm most excited about is really around gamification. And that's about um, rewarding people Basically, all of you know all of the things that people do. They answer a question. They serve as a mentor. They uh, take a class. They teach a class. Whatever it is, um, we want to establish points for all of those things and reward people for their for their behavior. We're kind of we're calling it the kindness score, uh, for lack of a better word, for now. But basically, you know, to create a system where we can surface the people that are the most helpful to the community, and then ultimately not just like let other people know, which of course is step one. But step two is um, 
is really rewarding them. Uh, and, and ideally, you know, my, my actual goal is to create some kind of monetizable financial value to helping uh, provide support back to other members in the community. So that's like the long-term goal. The near-term yeah. goal is like, let's just collect all the data and tell people these are the 10 best, most helpful people in the Indianapolis chapter. These are the 10 best, most helpful people in, um, you know, in sales or whatever, yeah. and have that be uh, a constant thing that's running so that people feel some sense of reward and fulfillment and frankly, competition around doing good and doing best. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Giving people access to the, the, the real high, uh, you know, high return folks is big, right? And it's also, I think, great because if somebody is putting in that effort, Sam, to help all these folks within a Pavilion, you know, they're integral to why Pavilion is great, right? And, and, you know, rewarding them, it seems very smart to me, but maybe it's something that's been lost in other similar scenarios. One of the keys to our success, Mike, is frankly, the fact that we're willing to share. So what I mean by that is, again, most communities are like, oh, we have a chapter in San Francisco, the person that, and everybody's a volunteer, you know, and sometimes they're even nonprofits. But of course, you know, the people that run the nonprofit are paying themselves a huge salary. Yep. But um, we grew very quickly because, frankly, it, all of the chapter heads in all of these regions, uh, they were getting massive checks from me because we were giving them such a significant percentage of the dues. So um and just the willingness to share. Now we've restructured those deals to make it easier for us to scale, you know, so they went from getting Inevitable. like 90% of every dollar to 50% of every dollar, but still 50% of every dollar. It's yeah. amazing. So, yeah. um, you know, anyway, I think that like, that's again, a little wrinkle that's sort of lost on people. Cause sometimes you assume like, you're just going to keep everything for yourself and fundamental to the concept is like, Hey, I want to reward people. I would love it for people to get rich, helping build the community. That's awesome. Yeah. No, and, and, and I think uh, it's truly walking the walk, uh, you know, when it comes to that cultural altruism. It's a common thread throughout this entire conversation, and one of the more understandable and logical, uh, uh, you know, reasons behind why this is working, why people want to be involved in it, and why people are looking to Pavilion for these things that Pavilion doesn't even offer yet. So um, there's a there's a lot going on with Pavilion that I think uh, would say to anyone on the outside and, and inside that you guys got uh, something that works and you're thinking about the mission in a way that uh, it makes sense to now thousands upon thousands of people. So how can people get involved? Uh, you know, if they want to reach you specifically, Sam, or they want to get uh, you know themselves uh, to explore Pavilion as an option uh, for their professional careers. Sure. I mean, if you want to reach me, you can just email me, sam at joinpavilion.com. And, uh, and then if you want to join, uh, click, go to joinpavilion.com, upper right corner, click apply. And depending on, uh, you know, you'll fill out some information. And depending on how you fill that out, it'll route you to one of our three communities, executive associate or analyst, and then uh, go from there. And we've got an enrollment team. And we're, uh, we'll take, we'll take hopefully good care of you. But if you have any questions, you can just email me. Yeah, that's great. And, and what I can uh, speak for uh, directly uh, about Sam is that he is uh, legitimately responsive and engaged and interested, um, you know, in, in getting folks connected and, you know, just seeing relationships get built around him. And I've had uh, the opportunity to experience that myself and it's no bullshit. So um, reach out if you think there's something here that can help. And I think Sam's a, a good guy to, to uh direct that, that inquiry towards. So, uh, finally, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, summing it up really quickly, 
The pavilion story to me is very interesting because it speaks to how legitimate culture and uh, I'd say genuine uh, business practices are important in this day and age. People aren't finding it in ways that they would probably uh, hope to. And when you can get around like-minded folks that can put all the bullshit aside, add value, you know, help people accelerate their learning curves and find answers to really tough questions and to navigate really difficult and unique scenarios, um, you know, you're going to get a lot of people that want to be involved in that, right? And, and it grew fast for good reason. And now, you know, you're in a spot where something that uh, started out as one thing is uh, a huge resource to the sales community globally. And, uh, you know, what's next sounds exciting too, right? I think uh, you guys are on a, a really good track here. So um, check you. it out, uh, everyone in the audience. Uh, I, I'm very impressed uh, by it all and, and, you know, appreciate, Sam, you coming on the show today and what you're doing for sales professionals uh, across the globe. It's, it's real. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are very appreciative that you started it. And I'm excited to see what's next. Talk of the Trade is hosted by Mimeo, the better way to print. Find out more at www.mimeo.com.